Welcome to the Running Explained podcast. I'm Elizabeth, a marathoner, running coach, and answer seeker. When I became a new runner at the age of 29, I had so many questions, but it felt like I was on my own to figure out all of the answers. So now I'm here to answer all your running questions to help make you a better, smarter, faster runner. There's no question too simple and no topic too complex. So let's get started. My guest this week is Amy Haas, a.k.a. Race Across the States. And if you couldn't tell from her Instagram handle, she is on a mission to race across the states, specifically to run a half marathon in every single state in the United States. Currently, she is at 40-40 of the 50 states that we have, but it's taken her quite a while to get here. Amy's been running for over a decade, and in that time, she's taken her half marathon PR from right around two hours to 1.23.30. That is the power of consistency, my friends. Amy's running journey focuses on the process of running and the progress you get with being consistent. So whether that's the process of traveling from state to state for every single race that she does, or the progress that comes naturally along the way from being consistent in your running, she is here for it. And our topic today about motivation, about mindset, about mental strength, when you're racing or even just when you're training, this is something that she's really familiar with. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. Amy, welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I am super excited to be here. So before we get into our topic today, I ask all my guests, I want to hear how you became a runner. I want to hear your origin story. And then I want you to tell us about your race across the States. Like, where did that come from? Okay, let's go. Um, I started, I think it was maybe 2012, um, maybe 2013. I don't remember, but it was my freshman year of college and I had always played soccer my whole life. I was not into running. Um, I did track in like middle school, but I was actually not very good at all. And so I got put on like the lower squad and I always felt bad. And I was like, you know what, maybe running isn't like my thing. Like, that's fine. Like I'll do soccer. So then fast forward and my cousin actually asked me to do a race with her. And so um, I went to, it was Chicago, it was the Chicago half marathon. And so we went there and I was just thinking like, I'll train for this one half marathon and then I'll be done. And I did it and I fell absolutely in love with it. And I just like, couldn't stop. I was like, this is now way more important than soccer. Like I'm going to run with this instead. So um Then I signed up for another one. I signed up for another one, which was in Wisconsin, which is kind of like where I'm from. So I signed up with uh, the same cousin. We did a second one. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I did two in two different states. That's fun. And then I was like, oh, I'll do one in in my hometown, too, of Columbus. So I came back to Ohio and did one here. And I was like, all right, that's three. Like, maybe I should just do Indiana and get, like, all four of those states. So I did Indiana. And then on the way to Indiana, me and my mom were kind of throwing around ideas and she comes with me to like all of my races. So uh, she threw out the idea of like doing all the states. And I was like, Haha, like, that's funny. Like that would take me forever. No way. And she was like, well, we could just do like one by one, little by little. And so we started and now we're here in 2021. And I like cannot believe I've done so many. So what are you up to now? I am on... 39, but I have number 40 next weekend in Minnesota. Oh my gosh. Where has been like the hardest race to get to so far? Oof, the hardest one to get to. 
that would be this past year because COVID. So um, I obviously all the races were canceled. I had my whole year of 2020 booked out. Like I had every race planned, every trip planned. Like I was fully like planned out. And then COVID happened in what, like March, April is when things started shutting down. And so I uh, ended up planning like a personal road trip by myself. And I went to, I think it was like Kansas, um, Nebraska, Colorado, and Iowa, I think it was. And I just did my own little loop, but that was definitely the hardest because I had to plan everything. I had to plan out my routes. I had to plan out like what I was going to eat, where I was going to stay. It was, it was a fun challenge, but it was, it was tough. Yeah. Acting as your own race director. <laughs> I like literally just walked outside and I was like, alrighty then like, I'm going to go. Like it wasn't even a virtual race. I just like stepped outside and was like, I'm going to do 13 miles. And one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you specifically about the concept of motivation, mindset, mental strength, the way that you approach your goal is just so it works so well because you have the mindset, the the specific kind of motivation and the specific, specific kind of mental, I want to call it mental strength because mental strength implies that there's mental weakness, which mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's true. I think it's just all different ways that we think sometimes, but it's really like, it's, it's one thing to run a half marathon. It's another thing to look at this and maybe with some help for your mom say, wow, maybe I should run one in every single state and see how it goes and get faster along the way. Yeah. I, getting faster was definitely a byproduct. Like 0% of me ever thought that I was going to be sub seven, like 0%, even up until 2018, still 0% of me was like, oh yeah, I'll break that barrier. Like no way, no way. I never saw that, but it's been, it's been so fun because I, it's a challenge to like remind myself that like, that's not why you're doing this, but that's what I try to remember is like, that's not why you're doing this. You're doing this to travel. You're doing this to experience everything. You're doing this like to get the most out of life. And it's not about like your pace. Like you don't like that shouldn't matter, but it's been fun. Like seeing that happen naturally in a way. Say the best way to become a better runner is to just run more. So you definitely have that covered. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. So let's talk about then this, this segue so well into the concept and the topic of motivation Mm -hmm. because, and you know, we were talking about this briefly before about kind of the misunderstood topic of motivation and how motivation is important, but people tend to over rely on it Mm -hmm. in certain situations. Motivation might get you started, but if you only did something when you were motivated to do it, like, let's be honest, we would not get very much done. So especially for newer runners, if runners have a big goal and they lose motivation along the way, they think there's something wrong that maybe everybody else is super motivated, but they're not. Talk to us about how that's really not how we should think about motivation. Yeah. Yeah. Motivation is definitely not reliable. And the worst part is it's so unpredictable. I mean, some days you feel so good and you're on top of the world and like you could get out the door and run forever. And then some days it's just not there. And like, you got to rely on other things to get you through it. So one thing, like when you mentioned beginner runners relying a lot on motivation, once you hit a certain level of challenge and it gets hard, it's, it can be tough to like get over that motivation hump. And I feel like that's where a lot of runners kind of give up. 
because they're like, it's too hard. And I also don't have the motivation for this. But in my opinion, you just have to focus on a bigger goal. Like there's got to be a bigger overarching goal, dream vision that you really like tune into. And we'll talk about this a little bit more later in the episode, but uh, because of what you do with Run With Aim, which how how do you describe that, by the way? Is it like groups or like, what is this? Yes. When I describe it, like anybody who asks, usually I say it's a virtual women's running community because really it is just a community of us. And I put out challenges. The women compete with their teams and challenges and get to know each other. And they share about their progress, their wins, their races, and then they can also win prizes. So if they win the most points during the challenges, they end up getting prizes. And they also get prizes just for like participating too. So it's just a community of people who like to run. Something like that is another way to work on, not necessarily, well, it can be motivating, of Mm -hmm. course, to participate in a community or a challenge like that, whether it's your group or just whatever, maybe you join a local running group, Mm -hmm. but also like creating the habit of doing the thing. I think that's where it's at. If you see any of the weekend challenges, usually they're very small tasks. It's drink eight ounces of water, do 10 push-ups, do this, because those small tasks over time are going to become things that you're more comfortable with that are easier for you and that you therefore need to have less motivation to do it. Like it, it will be easier for you to do without that. And I think it's a big myth that if you've been running for a while or can run a certain pace or distance that you you're never demotivated, like you're always motivated. And that's not true. Everybody faces periods of like, I really don't want to do this. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And everybody just has different seasons of life in general. I feel like there are some weeks where I'm like, I'm just not feeling like good this week. Like I just like, whatever it may be, you just aren't feeling like yourself. And those are the days where like, you really have to, you really have to tune into something else to to focus on why you want to do it and or why it's okay not to do it like it's also okay not to go run if you feel like crap like harnessing the power of motivation and habit is not about pushing past anything mm-hmm. like no matter what i think with the olympics and simone biles setting her limit and drawing her boundary and saying hey i have a limit if she has a limit we all have a limit for sure for sure definitely because some days, you know, you don't have that motivation and it is important to you to also push through that workout. Like it might be, it's, it's all about figuring out what's going, what you actually want. Like, do you actually want to like hit that certain pace or whatever, or is it okay for you not to, and is it more important for you to do this instead and being at peace with whatever decision that may be, I think is important because it also keeps it fun because otherwise it becomes a chore and nobody wants to do that. Exactly. And it can feel like that sometimes when you're training for something big and you're training for some one thing for months Mm -hmm. and it's almost like you lose sight of the bigger picture. It can feel, it can be demotivating to just go through the process and feel like, oh my God, all I do is run and that's it. Mm -hmm. And I think you got to find kind of what works for you too, because for me, I think it would be tough just signing up for like singular races here and there. For me, like the overarching goal of the 50 states is something that like, I don't have to think twice about it. Like I'm just going to keep going. Like it's, it's this big enough goal that it keeps me in it. But for some people, they might like those smaller, like smaller wins, smaller, like buildups. 
there is nothing quite as motivating as having a race on your calendar that's though. Right. That's why this past year was so hard. It's like, what am I going to do without racing? So especially in the, the women's groups and everybody that you work with and speak to, what have been some really top tips for, and I hate to say like finding motivation, but if somebody is really hitting a rough patch, not feeling it and not because anything's wrong, like we're not injured, we're not burned out. Mm -hmm. It's just a normal patch of not feeling super into it. What are some things you think people can do to try to regain or at least get out the door for maybe a mile? That's a really, really, really good question. And I feel like that's one that I get asked all the time. And I've had to like do some deep thinking about it because I'm like, what do I do? Like, what does somebody do when that happens? And a few that like I've found helpful or that maybe I suggest to other people is find accountability with somebody, like find an accountability buddy, find like a loved one, tell them what you're going to do, send them pictures, post on Instagram. Like I post my workouts on Instagram because I know it keeps me accountable. And like, I look forward to it. I'm like, I, I always start to think like, okay, I don't really want to go for that pace. And I'm like, but if I, if I do it, then I can post and say I did it. And like, I'm, I get excited about it, but finding, finding accountability, wherever that feels best, wherever you want to find it, what's, um, switching things up is another one. Like maybe listen to some different music, maybe go on a different path, maybe like go to the gym instead of running outside, like find something to make it just a little bit different. Um, what else? There's, it is tough to just rely on those types of strategies, but I'm not sure. Do you have any that you would share? And it's tough because it is different for everybody. Cause the reasoning behind the mo demotivation, I guess, is also really important. Yeah. You know, are you, are you just experiencing normal fatigue? Like, mm -hmm. yeah. You know, then it's, I always tell my athletes, my runners at the end of the day, just go as slow as you need to. Yeah. I was going to say also like just changing the challenge level. Think about like, okay, maybe you don't want to do a full workout, but what about like a few planks or what about like just like 50 crunches? I've literally gotten down and done just one plank before because I'm like, maybe if I do just one plank, I'll do more. Or maybe if I did, and it's okay to stop and it's also okay to keep going. But that like leads into another tip. I would say focus on like momentum versus motivation. Focus on gaining momentum with some smaller like tasks versus jumping right in and focusing solely on trusting motivation. Cause that's not always going to be there, but action will help like take action. Even if it's something super small, because even just getting up off the couch is action and it might lead to something else. Even like lacing up your running shoes, you are ready to go for a run. And even that, like putting the clothes on, like that can be mm -hmm. motivating towards maybe it's five minutes, maybe it's 50 minutes, you know? Yeah. And if, if it's a run, maybe like tell yourself, I'm going to go out and take a walk. And if your walk turns into a run, awesome. That often happens to me when I'm like, okay, I don't really feel like running, but I'll go take a walk outside. And then I'm like, okay, now I kind of do feel like running though. Like I'm already out here. I might as well just run. Something I feel is very important is also to match your big goal, like the level of challenge, the level of undertaking with where you mm -hmm. currently are, that it's wonderful to have yeah. these absolutely giant, massive goals. Like you should have them, you should chase them, you should go after them. But just as you illustrated with your personal story, like you did not 
sign up for your first half marathon with the intention of then running a half marathon in every state. Like if you, if, if you started training for your first half marathon with that goal in mind, that would have been pretty overwhelming. Yeah, for sure. And even just like, even just any running goals, it can feel so overwhelming to like sign up for 26 miles. You wouldn't, you wouldn't just jump in and be like, okay, I'm going to run eight. Like you got to take it slow and build up. Yeah. So people who are thinking, oh, I'm running now. I need to run every single day. I need to run as Mm -hmm. much as I possibly can. That is not necessarily the best way to approach it. Like Amy was talking about small steps, little wins, build up the habit. And then the, like the motivation kind of creates itself. And on the days that you're not as motivated, you have the tools to assess whether you can push past it or to really take a, a day to yourself. Yeah. And the right questions to ask, like asking yourself, like, what, what is it that's holding you back? Like you mentioned, like the why behind that lack of motivation, are you tired? Are you like sore? If you're sore, that's a whole different ball game than if you're like sleepy or if you're just not wanting to go, like if there's no reason at all. So I feel like finding that and really asking yourself the right questions around like, okay, is this a reason or is this a situation where I should still go? Or is this a situation where I would feel better myself if I chose to rest? And that's the beautiful thing about running. I mean, I don't know about you, but running has taught me more about my mind and my body than I ever thought I would know. Oh my gosh. Especially your mind. I feel like I have changed so much in the past like seven or eight years when I started running, just because it it is hard and it's hard to like mentally push past some of those barriers in your head with running. So you definitely, you learn a lot. Well, let's talk about that, the mindset and the mental barriers then, because the mindset that we bring to the table when we train and especially when we race is really important, but that's also something that you can train. You can work on your mindset, just like you can work on your legs and your lungs. How do you go about cultivating a mindset that helps push you forward and recognize when you are thinking thoughts that might be holding you back? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's so many things that I feel like I've done and they've changed so much since when I first started running. Cause when I first started running, <laughs> like I was the type of person who like wouldn't even post a run if I had like paused my watch or something, because I was like, this is, it's not good enough. Like it's not, it's not perfect. It's not the perfect time. Like I, I stopped to walk during a race once and I like my mom asked me what my finish time was. And I told her my watch time, even though I had paused it because I was like, no, I'm not telling you like the clock time. Like I want this time because like I only walked for a minute, but it was those things that were really holding me back because I was so focused on that product. I was like so focused on just what that finish time was. And over time it became really unhealthy to keep focusing like that. Um, I ended up even injuring myself because I was pushing so hard to just get that product that it was hurting me um, in so many ways. So I definitely started switching things up after that. And, you know, you just have to focus on being kind to yourself, giving yourself breaks, having flexibility with yourself. A lot of times I will create goals that are ranges instead of specific times to give myself that grace on either end. And some days you surprise yourself and some days like, you know, you find what happened and you keep moving forward and you figure out what was it. And maybe you can't figure it out, but 
there will always be another race. Always. Like, as long as you don't quit, there will literally always be another race for you to sign up for and run. Do you ever do anything with the flipping the self-talk on its head when like you, you know, identifying a negative thought and then like reframing it in your mind? Mm -hmm. We, we do that a lot. Um, One of the girls in the run with aim group, actually, she shared something very recently where she mentioned she did have a thought like that and she was able to completely flip it. And I think it was about taking a break and it was something along the lines of, um, like her saying she was kind of a failure for not taking a break, but then switching and saying like, it's okay to take a break sometimes. So we, we might not focus explicitly on like the phrasing of it, but I think we do a lot of that in the group because just by talking to each other and saying like, it is okay. And you start telling yourself that too. So a little bit. Yeah. It's hard to run on hate. And I literally mean that. Like, it's really hard. You can't beat yourself up across the finish line. I mean, the, the that kind of attitude and having been there and experienced that, like, I know it only gets you so far that it's actually much easier to be kinder to yourself. Find something that did go well on those days. Like, um, I was, I had one not too long ago, actually. And maybe I did do what you were just talking about, about flipping it, because my race in Alabama, um, that was when Des Linden was in the race and she demolished me, but it was great being able to run among her. Um, but I remember I was also following my watch time. And when I finished the, I thought I had gotten a PR based on my watch time. So I, I came in that finish line so happy. And then I looked up at the clock and it was wrong and it was not a PR and I was crushed. And I was like, okay, got to flip this. Like what went well? Like, what can I focus on? Like which mile was my best? Like, you know, just kind of like really searching for like what I could hold on to that was like, okay, but this happened and this is good. And so I don't know, it's, it can be tough though, to find that silver lining or that positive when you're upset. Oh, it's really hard. It's really hard. Mm -hmm. But it is one of those things that becomes more natural the more that you do it. And I think for some of us, we don't even realize how terrible we can be to ourselves until we start thinking about it. I always like I ask, like, would you say that to your friend? Would you would you talk to a friend the way you talk to yourself? And if you wouldn't say that to your friend, Mm -hmm. why are you saying that to yourself? For sure. And or would you even ask that of them? Would you even expect them to be able to do that? Like, is it realistic? Have you noticed, and it's really, this is pretty awesome because you've raced so much and you have like this huge data set of experiences to pull from, but the mindset, thinking about just like the headspace that you're in, because we all wake up and sometimes our headspace is just in different places. Have you noticed your headspace being in one place versus another and how you end up performing on race day? Actually, yes, very much so. Um, there have been times, like, I will say the the races that I've gotten a PR have been the races that I would least expect them to. Um, when I was in Manchester, New Hampshire, it was so cold that I waited in a coffee shop up until two minutes before the race. And finally, my mom was like, get out there. And it's cold. And she's like, you didn't warm up. Like, you're a mess. Like, this is a disaster. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Like, this is bad. But I walked out there and I did amazing. And I think it was because I turned all of that kind of off. I was like, I was almost, I almost gave myself so much grace that I had 
low expectations and I was able to completely exceed them because I wasn't holding myself to such a crazy standard. I was like, okay, this one might suck. That's fine. Um, And then the other one was Arkansas. And I feel like, I feel like when I go into it with that mentality of like, I don't have these expectations of myself, I end up doing way better than the ones where I'm like, oh, I have this goal time. I'm going into this all pumped up. I'm going to do this. And then like you get a little bit off track and you're like, oh crap, oh crap. And so, yeah, it's been, there's been a lot of different approaches I've taken though. What do you think has been the one that you repeat most frequently? So I, I usually like to like break it into chunks. So I'll do the first three are like, you know, that's at like a, a faster pace because I want to kind of get myself into a zone where I'm not having to make up time. I'm, I'm borrowing the time from those three miles basically. So I run those three at like a faster clip and then from three till about eight or nine or 10, depending on like how I'm feeling that race from three to eight or nine or 10, I go into like my settled pace, like a, like my easier pace. And then at the end, I do kind of a final push and try to determine based on where I'm at, what I'm going to try to go for. But I've actually raced without my watch for the past like five races. And it's been an interesting experience. I have gotten, I've made a lot more progress not looking at my watch during races. Interesting, because everybody is just glued to their watch and I'm guilty. I'm, I find myself getting too stuck into the, I need to hit this pace, looking at my watch every mile, like, okay, okay, where am I at? And I started getting so discouraged with myself when it wasn't exactly what I wanted. And it it started messing me up because if I was just a little bit off my pace at like mile four or five, it became progressively worse for me throughout the race where I would start to think, okay, maybe I can't do it then. Okay, maybe I can't hit that pace. Like, okay, that's fine. And then I kind of would just I would get super upset about it. So finally in Manchester was the first one I did no, no looking at my watch. Cause it was so cold that I literally had layers wrapped around it. And I was like, okay, it would be too hard for me to look at it anyway. So I didn't look at it and I cut five minutes off my finish time. I went from a one thirty two to like a one twenty eight. That's a massive PR. That's yeah, amazing. I think it was my first sub seven, sub seven race. Wow. Well, congratulations. Yeah. The power of the watchless. <laughs> oh, I was like, this is wild. I'm doing this again. <laughs> that's an interesting racing strategy too, because that's not really the standard pacing advice. Because typically when we're pacing a distance race, really anything over a 5K, we tell people to warm up into their pace. Don't like start slow, but start a little under mm-hmm. your target pace. And then like, you know, kind of squeeze on down to that target pace for the over the first couple of miles and then hang out at your target pace and then push at the end. Yeah. I basically, I used to do that. And then I started finding it just helped me to like, know that I had that extra time. Like I, it helped me just having that in the back of my head, like, okay, even if I get a mile, that's this. And I always do them. I'll keep doing the math. Like I'll be like, Oh, at like for my last race, I knew that I had a PR by like a minute and a half. And I was like, Oh, I, I could do a, a eight something and still like get it. And so it's just, it helps me stay positive. I feel like. I think a lot of people get into trouble when they try to bank time because they don't know how or when to slow down. So mm-hmm. like if you, if you are saying you start out a little hot, but you, you then, it sounds like you then slow down. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I have a, a very specific plan to like it. I go out a little too fast and 
my last one, I think I, I even had like a 558 at one point. And then, you know, I cool back down to like wherever I need to be at like mile four. Cause yeah, that would not be, that would not be good. And I've done that before too, where you start out way too hot for way too long and you just, you just die out at the end. Yeah. It's about energy conservation at the end. I mean, you have to have enough energy to take you through to the finish, but let's go back to, this is the really important thing. I think when we talk about mindset and, and transitioning more into the whole, the mental strength, mental strategy of racing is that expectation versus reality when it comes to what we expect to be happening in the race or on the workout or in the run or whatever it is versus what's actually happening when there's a mismatch we kind of short circuit. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> so when you're talking about when you were looking at your watch and the watch wasn't telling you what you wanted to see, like it kind of caused a little meltdown. Yeah, I did. I, I had a complete pity party in the middle of the race. So the solution then would be to basically manage expectations, but that can be hard if you're racing with a very specific goal in mind. Do you have any suggestions for how somebody might manage expectations while chasing a really specific goal? That's so tough for me just because with, for me, I find those specific goals to be just so not fun. Like I, I don't find them to be fun. Like, and who's to say that it has to be a specific number. Like it could, you can keep moving that range and it's still specific. It's still, you're still going for like, you could go for like a, one or a 210 to two hour half marathon and then a two hour to a 150 and then a 150 to a 140 and still give yourself that grace. But when you are going for a super specific goal, I don't know. What do you think? I will. I don't know. That's, that's the hard thing too, because especially it is really tough. And I think that's like the power that the numbers have over us that we give them, that we let them have. It comes down to how you measure your progress ultimately. Like there are lots of different ways to measure your progress, whether it's strength, whether it's speed, whether it's distance, whether it's like, there are so many different ways and it's okay to find, you know, a variety of ways to measure it that make you feel your best. Like some days I go out and I measure by distance. Some days I go out and I measure by pace and just switching those up and figuring out what works for you, I guess. I have found Mm -hmm. when I chase very specific race goals, I don't know. I, I, I'm not made for pressure. Like that is not. Me Me neither. I am like, I'm so not made for pressure that my mom will be like, what's your goal this time? And I'm like, I don't have one. I don't have one. Don't ask me. Like, I I literally don't have one. Don't, don't ask me. Okay. Like, yeah, I, I don't like that type of pressure on me. I, I feel like it steals the joy of it and it steals the fun of it. And if you don't have that, you don't stick with it anyway. So once you start taking that fun aspect out of it and you start forcing yourself to do it, it becomes harder and harder and harder to actually stick with it and to want to show up and to want to go run and to want to go to the gym. Like it's makes it harder in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Like you can get your PR, but like at what cost really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. At, at the cost of quitting, maybe, or like, you know, I've I've heard a lot of people burning out just because they were trying so hard and they didn't reach it. Like it's, it, it's tough. And it's tough to develop that like growth attitude when you are trying to hit something so specific. 
Another thing that helps with the race planning is to have goals that are not time related. And this is something I work with my athletes on developing a race plan. Like at the end of the day, I kind of always want one of your goals be to have fun. (laughs) Exactly. It it should be. That should be why you're doing this. Like if you're, if you don't have any fun during it, maybe choose something else. (laughs) But that's the thing. Running should be fun. And it's, it's tough sometimes, especially for newer runners that because it feels really hard and sometimes hard things aren't fun but when you Mm -hmm. when you do realize that you're having fun with running like capture that like focus on that Mm -hmm. that's the whole point is that this is fun maybe not every run is super fun but (laughs) running is and can be very fun yeah for sure and definitely focus on the things that make like help you feel like it's fun like whether it's like doing themed runs or doing like those color runs or like whatever joy you get out of it. Definitely focus on the part that you feel is the most exciting. It's not the most important thing in, in your life all the time. Like it's okay for it not to be. (laughs) Have you ever taken a break from running or have you been pretty consistent since you started? I haven't, I can't, say I've taken an extended break except for the one time that I had to but that was and that was I think like two months that I was out from running but outside of that maybe a week here or there for a vacation or I was pretty spotty up at the beginning of my journey like I didn't I would do training cycles and then I would kind of chill out but ever since I started doing them more frequently I would say I've been pretty consistent. And that the consistency is really key. Not to say that you need to be consistent, you know, Mm -hmm. sacrifice everything else, but clearly you've been running for just about almost nine, you know, nine, almost 10 years and you've gotten significantly faster, which is so cool, but you've been doing this for almost a decade. Like this stuff doesn't happen overnight. You didn't train one week and the next week run a 127. I looked at, I was looking at like all the stats the other, or today actually, because it's the last day of the month. Um, or tomorrow is, but I was looking at all those stats and I noticed that I spend 48 hours a month running 48 hours. That's two full days. Like that's a lot of time to have, like to dedicate to something, but that's the thing. Like if you start training that much, you've got to enjoy it. Like it's got to be something that you want to do and not something that you have to do because otherwise I would not be here anymore. Like I would be done. (laughs) So let's talk more about the mental strategy of racing, because it can sometimes feel like people who are fast are faster than me or than you, because there's always somebody faster, unless you're the world record holder, that they don't experience the same mental anguish in races that the rest of us feel. And that is not true. Racing is really, really hard, no matter who you are. Yeah, no, it is so hard. And the number of thoughts that run through my head during a race, like if they were all typed out, I th- I think it would share, it would shed a lot of light on that because like so many thoughts go through my head of like, well, how fast is that person going? How fast is that person? Like, and there are so many things that like I'm stressing out about or like is that a cramp or is that this or is that this and it's the same exact things that all runners start thinking about like so I feel like yeah that's definitely false (laughs) we I feel like every runner has very similar struggles out there so when you are 
holding a hot pace and it's hard. And it's one of those paces where you're thinking, I'm not quite sure how much longer I can hold this. What do you do to keep yourself going? I talk to myself a lot. Um, I, I talk to myself a lot during races. Like I will literally say out loud, like, just keep going, just keep going, like, just keep going. Like, it's okay. Like you got this. Like I will cheer myself on as I'm running because I need to, otherwise you get so lost in your head that like, I, I just get stuck in my head. Um, but yeah, I do a lot of talking to myself. I do, uh, a lot of like, just kind of distracting myself and like trying to focus on something else. I focus on my breathing a lot. I'll focus on my steps. Um, sometimes I'll even count. Like I, I try to like really get myself out of that headspace, no matter how, like whatever it takes. There have been races where, where like there's a girl in front of me or a girl like close behind me. And like, I try to like pace myself out with them um, or try to like kind of catch up to people or catch people. But yeah, usually, usually I just try to remind myself to run my own race. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll literally tell myself that because sometimes I'll go doing that and then it's at a pace that I actually can't handle. And then I'll have to fall back and I'm like, okay, like that was silly. Like now I potentially ruined the finish of this race by trying to catch that person that was like totally not necessary. And this is their race. And if they weren't here, I never would have done that. Like that type of thing where it's like, okay, is that really like, would I do this if they weren't there? Probably not. <laughs> that situation can, can backfire, especially when you're in that, the middle of the race, when it's just, you're kind of in that no man's mm -hmm. land, that zone, that twilight zone, like it just goes on forever. It really does. <laughs> so we talk about making a move, right? Or going or starting your kick. That's really going too early or making the wrong move at the wrong time can really bite you in the butt mm -hmm. later on. Yeah. For sure. I've had it happen far too many times. There have been a few races where I barely finished. I, my, my race in Virginia, some guy had to literally convince me to finish the race. Like he was like, you're finishing. Like, it's only one more mile. Like we're going to go. And I was like, no, like call my mom. Like I'm done. And he was like, no, you're coming with me. Like we'll walk for a little bit and then we'll run. And he cheered me on all the way to the end because I had just pushed myself so hard at the beginning of that race. I was just dying out. Like just completely gassed but that's the power of the mind too that like you were so close to the finish and of course physically you were not injured like you were just a little bit gassed yeah but there was nothing preventing you from finishing the race your brain was just like we're done call it a day stop yeah for sure that race was particularly hot and humid um extremely hot and humid and I was not hitting my paces and I was I was actually not with even, even within the ballpark. I was like 20 to 30 minutes, like over my expected time. Like I was like really on the struggle bus and I got to mile 12 and I was just like, I'm done with this. Like I'm, I'm over it. But that was one of those ones that I look back on and I'm like, wow, like you've come a long way since that, because if that happened to you now, like you, you would keep going, like you would, you would be able to convince yourself to keep going. That is one of the hardest situations to be in when things go really sideways. I've been really upset a few times at races where I finish and I'm just, you know, you gotta, you gotta just re refocus, re refocus on something else. The next race, sign up for another race right away, do something to get, 
get yourself out of that. Something I always try to remind myself is to not panic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is a big one. Cause as soon as you start panicking about, and you can start panicking over literally anything because the brain is an amazing thing. If you give it an, a mouse a cookie, it will ask for the entire fridge. <laughs> if you if you can prevent yourself from panicking, that's actually a really good skill to yeah, learn. Yeah, because you start, it just starts kind of like rolling. Like you just start rolling down that hill of like, okay, this happened and then this happened and then this might happen. And it just gets, you just get stuck in that wormhole. It's all of the mites. That's the thing is that it's all about the things that could or might happen. It's yeah. always our brain saying, well, if we keep going, it will feel even worse. Mm -hmm. So we must slow ourselves down to protect ourselves. Yeah. Or just even a case of like, like you can't hold this, like you can't, you're not going to be able to hold this. And then you tell yourself you can't, and then you end up not doing it, even though honestly, physically, you probably could have, like you probably, you could probably do a lot of things like that you didn't expect that you could do but it's tough when your mind is working against you. And something I think we also have to point out when we're talking about, oh, it feels really hard. Oh, you have to convince yourself to keep going. Physically, this sucks. Physically, like yeah. oh, we're talking about, this is a hard physical effort. They really are so hard. Like There have been so many times where I've been like, yeah, you can't go on. Like you can't, you're not going to make it. <laughs> I'll never forget, and this was one of the, my first really big introduction to how much sometimes your brain hates you during a race, is it was my first marathon, and I remember, and I was wildly undertrained, and I'd only been running for like six months, and I got to mile 25. My first marathon was at Disney World, so it's at Epcot, right? Like, I'm running through Epcot. I made it all the way to mile 25, and something in my brain goes, you know, you can just stop. <laughs> I made it all the way here. I can almost see the finish line. And my brain's like, you should just stop. Like, why are yeah. we doing this? Just like, nah, we're done. It was the, in the, at the time, in the moment, it, it was actually very like, oh, I should just stop. Oh my God. It was such an enticing. Yeah. I want to do this. And then afterwards I was like, that was such a weird thing to think. Yes. That happened to me when I was in Las Vegas. I, I was literally like 0.4 away from the finish line. Like it was like right there. And I was like, this is too hard. Like this is too much. <laughs> you can't do this. That well, the Vegas is the rock and roll Las yeah. Vegas. Yeah. Okay. To be fair though, that finishing shoot is like it's a freaking so mile long. Yeah. So you feel like you're, you think you're done and you're nowhere close to being I done. Like, I was on the brink of disaster. I was like, I'm not going to make it there. Cause it was also a nighttime run and I had been eating all day and I was like, I am going to throw up. Like, this is not good. Like we need to stop now. Do you have any like hard learned lessons for staying strong in races or workouts or runs? Sometimes the hardest runs can be just getting the short, easy ones done. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't run in the afternoon anymore. I mean, that's like a lesson that I've learned because I'm like, I can't, like, I will literally go in the morning. I can run forever in the afternoon. I step outside and I'm like, I could go maybe a mile. Like I just, it's not for me, but a lot of my travels have just led me to lessons about places that I would have never known, but not necessarily maybe in running. I feel like I'm still learning so much. 
that's a, there's always so much more to learn. Oh my gosh, so much. Even your page. Sometimes I'll just go there and be like, oh, didn't know that. Oh, didn't know that. Like I need to bookmark that because that's probably important for me to know. <laughs> but people ask me like, how do you come up with your like topics? And I'm thinking, oh my God, are you kidding me? Like there's so many. I, I, I have like pages and pages of like scribbles. Like, oh, I should do this. Oh, I should do that. I should do this. I should do that. Like there are yeah. so many things to learn and to talk about. And that just tells you how much progress there is to be made all the time and how many different things there are to focus on outside of just your pace. Like there are so many var- variables that go into running. Like it's, it is not any one thing. There are bazillion things that you could think about the type of shoes like this like like the structure of your body like there's just so many different things do you have a specific so aside from like the the mindset and where you are mentally do you have a race day routine like I get up at this time and I eat this very specific thing and then I warm up or you kind of like because because you're you're traveling to all your races and that traveling for races can be really challenging it's so tough it's traveling has been probably the hardest part about this traveling and the change in the weather because sometimes it'll be winter here and I'll go to like somewhere where it's really hot like like Texas or something and it's it's tough to it's tough to train those things in um but my race day routine I don't I get up really early during race day I will get up probably like two three three hours before the race and I walk around um I always have some caffeine. I don't like coffee that much, but my mom always gets me a coffee because she thinks if I smell it, it'll make me poop. So <laughs> she's like, here you go, Amy, like just smell this coffee. <laughs> so uh, then usually me and my mom try to find the race. Usually we don't know where it is. So we're like lost in some random place, but that's always fun. We turn on music pretty loud and I'll get pumped up in the car. She's been at so many of my races that I feel like she is my race day routine. Like just whatever we're up to that morning is however it goes, which is really cool. It's a very low stress. I'm always super low stress before the race, except for right before when I start absolutely panicking. So that's part of the routine too, where my mom has to literally talk me down every time. Like, I'm not going to do this. Maybe I shouldn't do this. I don't want to go out there. It's too cold. It's too hot. She's like, oh my gosh. It. <laughs> learning to harness and channel things in the right direction is so key because like you you do want to be excited you do want to have that adrenaline you do want to be nervous but you also want to then focus it into your performance and not let it just yeah. totally drag you down yeah you don't want it to be debilitating where it's it's not serving you well yeah do you have any suggestions from the women in your group who use things like mindfulness or meditation or anything like that? Oh, that's a good question. I, not necessarily any like suggestions, but I mean, yeah, we do focus a lot on all of those things and and on just trying different things, like try out all of the things and see what works for you. Um, lots of yoga, lots of stretching, lots of meditation is good. Um, but honestly, just a lot of like flipping those thoughts, like a lot of practice with that, because it's not easy. Sometimes we do posts where it's like, say the thing that you love the most about yourself. And every single woman will be like, that was probably the hardest like share that we've done. And there's a reason for that. It's because we are not always kind to ourselves. And so practicing that skill, I think that's a really big thing. It goes a long, long way in running and in life. Yeah, in both, for sure. I remember when you joined Instagram, like I said, 
And I remember you and I connected like on my personal account. So I feel like I've known you for a while. So it's really yeah. fun that I actually get to like have this conversation with you. I'm so excited about what you're doing in your racing and with your run with AIM group. Like, I'm just, I think you're such a wonderful asset to the running community. Oh, that is so kind of you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it is, it is crazy to think about, isn't it? That I started that account like a year and a half ago. I did not, I never thought I was going to meet as many people as I did. It was just kind of a half-baked idea of like, oh, I should start an account to document all these. That'll be kind of cool. Like I can follow some running people. And then all of a sudden I started meeting everyone. And I was like, this is so fun. Like, look at all these people. Like they love running as much as I do. Like people who can talk about running all day long, sign me up. (laughs) Yeah. And then like all the women were messaging me about running. And I was like, this is great. Like women and running, like these are like awesome. This is awesome. So tell us about the run with AIM groups that you have because it's a really cool idea i i don't know where it really came from it it really all stemmed from like i just said like there were a lot of girls messaging me a lot of like women asking me questions about you know how do you train how do you do this what do you eat like these kinds of things and i am not an expert so i was like maybe it would be best if we just had a group of us and like we all were able to share our ideas and stuff like that And I ran, I like floated the idea past a few women that I had been kind of DMing back and forth. And they were like, yeah, that would be cool. I would be down to meet like a few others. And I started a group and then a few, I like put out some challenges. I was like, I'll make some daily posts. So like it stimulates conversation, like recipe share and this and that. And everybody really liked it and they wanted to do another month. So it just kind of slowly started becoming this different thing. And now since it's gotten so big, it was no longer able to be just one group because I couldn't manage that. So now we actually have teams and the teams compete compete against each other in like some fun challenges. It's all focused on, you know, they're all modifiable too. So it's like, instead of saying like run 10 miles, it would be like just run or run as far as you can or run as fast as you can because um, it's different for everybody. But then they compete in the challenges and they win prizes from a bunch of different brands. That's so cool because it is, yeah, it's, it's just, it is more, it, the, the modifiable thing I think is really important because we talk about making mm-hmm. running accessible and having this idea that running is only for fast people or that only fast runners are real runners. And that's not true. If you run, Mm-mm. you're a runner and your, your level of effort, dedication, and motivation is the same. Like, Mm -hmm. so the fact that it's not, oh, you're, you have to score points by running X miles. Like it is about way more than that. It's about running or movement in general or non-running related things. Like showing up for the things that are important to you. And I always try to offer options. So like we have a weekend challenge, there'll be some hydration tasks. There'll be some nutrition tasks, some like running related, some strength, some stretching because that way they can kind of pick and choose like what they're needing that weekend. And I feel like that's an important skill in itself, like recognizing, okay, what do I need? What's best for me right now? Am I busy this weekend? Would this work better for me? What can I squeeze in here? Like, am I more available? This would work for me. So I feel like being able to self-direct those goals is super important for them. I really appreciate that too, because especially as we start focusing on bigger goals, those things tend to be the things we leave behind. So you might be running 60 miles a week, but like when was the last time you drank a bottle of water, you know? 
for sure for sure and those things start to make bigger differences as you improve like i will say as as you improve there becomes less running to focus on and more other things because you're not making those runs happen without them like you're not making those long runs happen you're not making that hard pace happen unless you are fully committed to those other areas so sometimes like i'll go from like 250 miles a month down to 150 and it's like okay now i need to tighten up those other dials like i need to really focus on this this and this and this like stretching and this and those other things become way more important as you're fluctuating with that that mileage like you said yeah and this is why it's also important so as you mentioned before talking about the seasons of life and how the training looks different Mm -hmm. in every kind of season that you're in because it's not just about the miles it's about everything so it's not always Mm -hmm. going to be possible for you to train for a marathon all the time just because it takes so much freaking time to do it (laughs) yeah and it's also okay to not always be trying to get better like like time wise I mean like uh, one season of life may look very different from another and it's okay to adjust your goal accordingly to that because otherwise you're gonna stall out and it's not gonna be by your own choice it's going to be because you have to because you're too busy or something like that but recognizing when it's appropriate to adjust those goals is so important and you're actually speaking of marathons you're training for a marathon first marathon yeah, I guess I am. Um, I don't know. I it's in uh, it's in October. I just signed up for it recently, but I think I think it'll be good. It'll test me. It'll test it'll test something new for me. I actually outside of the half marathon distance, I've only ever ran one five k. So this will be my only other like distance that I've tried to tried to do. So I'm excited. I'm I'm nervous though because again, I'm in like this whole new world. I don't know much about it. I've, I've only gone past, I think 16 miles or up to 16. It's, it's new. It is scary. And the thing I think about the marathon is that the first you're in your first marathon, you get to a point where you realize you've never run that far before, whatever it is for you. Right. So, because you don't run a, you don't run a marathon when you train for a marathon. So someday at some point on your first marathon day, you're going to realize you've never run this far before. And for me, and I hope for you, it was like a very freeing experience because anything could happen at that point. Yeah, for sure. And that's how I need to go into it thinking. I feel like one of the things that's been so hard on me is like the, the flexibility that I do have with my goals is tough when you start to play around with these bigger distances because I'll go out there and I'll have on like, in my head, I'll be like, okay, I'm going to go for about like 16 or 17 miles and I'll get to 13 or 14. I'll be like, "Mm, but maybe not. And it's like, no, because the next time you run 13 or 14 miles, isn't going to be for another week. So like, you need to like get out there and you need to do it and it needs to happen. But having that flexibility is tough when you get up there because you're playing with such big distances. When you are talking about these long distances, you can't bail at 14 and then try again for 18 tomorrow. Like that's not yeah. how you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, that's not gonna work. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So yeah, you really have to remember that like, it's not possible to do that. Like you either accept that you're not gonna do that distance and maybe your training might be impacted by it or you get it done. The marathon is fun. I hope you have a wonderful debut marathon. <laughs> Thank you. 
So Amy, tell us where we can find you. I know you are very active on Instagram. I am probably too active, but <laughs> don't tell me. That. <laughs> you can find me at Race Across the States, and I also have a blog with um, all of my states on it, so you can read about any of the journeys that I've gone to, and you can just click each of the states, and that is also raceacrossthestates.com. So, and is your run with AIM Group like? Is that how do people join if they wanted to join that? Yeah, there's a link in my bio, and it's also a page on my blog about it, too. So either of those locations, you should see some bold letters that tell you where to go. Awesome. And it is a women's group. It is international. So anybody um, across the world can join, and that is super fun because we have a lot of women over in Europe, a lot of women in like Germany and Japan, Canada. So let me ask you before you go, what has been your favorite state or race so far? Oof. Of course, that's the last question. That's the hardest one. Um, all of them are so different and so unique in their own ways. But I would say my favorite state that I've been to and raced in would probably be either Utah or Colorado. Um, and my favorite like place overall that like the race and the state and just the whole event would probably be either Maine. I went to Portland, Maine, and that was just amazing. That's where I'm it was from. Just, really? Yeah. I absolutely loved it. There was just something about Portland, Maine that I was like, I would come back here again and again and again. And me and my mom had the best time. We tried so much food and it was just like a beautiful day there. I don't know what it was about it, but I just loved it. Did you um, run the old port half? I did. Ah, yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah. Maine is amazing. Portland is awesome. Everybody should go visit and spend your tourist dollars. <laughs> I did not know that the coast was that pretty there. And I went there and I was just in awe the whole time. So that one was awesome. Well, Amy, this has been a whole lot of fun. Good luck with your training. Um, Everything that you've mentioned, Instagram account, your website is going to be linked in the show notes so people can go and find you, follow you, see if they might want to join the Run With Aim group. I'm so excited, like I said, to see your debut marathon uh, in this fall. So thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Don't forget, you can always find me on Instagram at Running Explained or at my website, runningexplained.co. If you have a question you'd like to have answered, you can submit it in my stories every Monday or email me at elizabeth at runningexplained.co. That's E-L-I-S-A-B-E-T-H at runningexplained.co. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical condition.